Hey, welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Check us out on the web at missiodeschicago.com. Today I want to do something a little different if you're used to being at Missio Day. Um, if you're not, uh, welcome to Missio Day. We're a church seeking to join God as, as He makes all things new in this city. Um, and usually we have announcements. We have a little five-minute party. Apologize. No five-minute party today. Oh. When am I going to go to the bathroom? <laughs> and coffee. I need more coffee. If you need to get up, go to the bathroom, get more coffee, just go for it. Um, I want to share some thoughts that God has been teaching me. Um, so if you have a Bible, um, please open it to Exodus 33. Uh, there are Bibles... In the middle here, um, there's Bibles on your phone. Google Exodus 33. Boop, enter, and it'll come up. Um, and uh, I, I don't have any slides today, and I don't want you to think that that's because I didn't do any work this week. Um, quite the contrary. I've just been wrestling this week with so many truths, um, so many... Uh, thoughts and things that God's teaching me and that I believe that God desires for us. We're in the middle, if you're new here, we're in the middle of a series on the Holy Spirit. Um, So last week we introduced um, an overview of the Holy Spirit. What does the Old Testament say about the Holy Spirit? Um, And then I began to just prepare for uh, next week and next week and just a lot of material. And I feel like just Friday, God was like, I want you to talk about something else. I don't want you to push pause on that. And um. And so I've been wrestling this week with a lot of different things. And um, as we sang that vision of renewal, like we talk about God's story here at Monsieur Day a lot. Um, If you hear me preach, you'll hear it interwoven, kind of the the fall and redemption and the end time of renewal in which there will be a day when there will be no more suffering. God will come back and restore all things. And that our vision statement is huge, right? It's, it's, It's huge. Joining God as he makes all things new. All things literally means all things. That's a pretty big vision. Um, and so we, we talk about that, but I, I want to say that as we do that, um, as we do desire that, that that vision cannot happen unless the church is alive in God, completely alive in him. And um, several, about a year ago, uh, one of, one of um, our congregants had, he's probably in his late 40s, mid-40s, excuse me for all the details of this story, getting wrong or wrong medical language, but um, went into cardiac arrest um, for days, just days, flatlined, coded. Um, they believed, doctors believed he'd be in a vegetable state. Um, uh, we, we gathered around as Becky's husband, Vern, and we, we asked them permission to share this. They're fine with it. Uh, we gathered there, prayed over him. Uh, we, we found out things were getting worse. We prayed as a church here. You guys remember we gathered here in a circle and prayed. Um, and then people all over the world are praying. People in Africa are praying. Um, and then all of a sudden, we start to see life take place. Um, just what I, I, and I know it's easy. We could, we could like rationalize that away, right? We could say, oh, well, this is what happened, you know. We can make sense of that medically, totally. But I believe that was a complete miracle of God. And the doctors were astoundingly shocked. And I share that because I don't want those kind of stories to be an anomaly at Missio Day. 
Like, those stories shouldn't just be some, no, I don't say that to, like, some of you are like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen today? <laughs> I don't say that because I desire some ecstatic ecstasy experience that's just unbridled without, devoid of truth, quite the contrary. Um, but this week, more than ever, for some reason, God's been just showing me just clearfully, um, clear this, this week especially, that I, as a pastor here, I, as a, as a shepherd of this flock, I, I can do, I have very little to offer you. I can get up here and try to persuade you to love God. I can, I can, I can try to motivate you to love God. There's nothing I can do to help you love God. Like, there's nothing I can do to, to, to stir your heart. I could tell an amazing story that would make you cry. I could do a lot of things, but I can't make you love God. And there's nothing that I can do apart from the Holy Spirit of God. And there's nothing that the, the vision of renewal that God has put in our hearts as a community, that cannot be done as a church apart from the Spirit of God. Bottom line is, 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 is we as a, as a church, as a collectively in our country, in the American church, we've learned to do church with methods and, and strategies and, and programs and events and, and systems that, if we'd be honest, like require very little, if any, help from the Holy Spirit at all. And the the bottom line is it's, it's possible, it is dangerously possible for us to try to live the Christian life um, completely just as months and years and never realize that God has been absent the whole time from our lives, that the Holy Spirit has been absent the whole time. We can, we, we can seek justice in our city using the exact same means and methods and ways and social media and outcry, all we want to, but apart from the Spirit of God, it is nothing. We, can fa- we, can, we, can, we don't have to fast and pray for people to come to know Jesus because we can just publicize the mess out of it and market the mess out of it, right? We don't even need to fast and pray anymore for God to do a move because we can just use our own strength, use our own power, use our own methods. And so I just want to say that as we do this series, I just wanted to pause for a moment. We're going to dive into more of what the scripture says, and we're going to do that today too, but um, I just pray that our church would collectively say is that we're not moving forward without the Holy Spirit. That we're not moving forward without the Holy Spirit of God. And um, I'm convinced that I think the greatest hindrance in our day of advancing the gospel is just that, that we as the people of God think we can do the work of God without the Spirit of God, that we think we can, we can do that without God's Spirit, that we can use enough human development, enough information, and enough strategy or enough discipline that we could actually do the work of God. It is, it is impossible for us. A lot of us try to do work for Jesus without Jesus without the Spirit. And so I just want to say today that I just want to create room and space for us and ask us as a church that we would be um, longing for a Spirit this morning. Amen? That we, we would be awakened from our sleep. And I, I want us to look at Exodus 33. Um, Moses is, a, is an 
I love this uh, story of Moses and God talking. It's one of my favorite stories. Um, and Moses is a great archetype for us because he was not like an archetype of excellence. Um, Moses is a person filled with doubt. Um, Moses is a person filled with insecurity. Moses is a person filled with guilt um, and shame for killing someone. Moses is, is someone who is, feels unqualified to speak. Um, he, he is the least likely candidate, and yet God still uses him. And I want you to listen to what God says to Moses in, verse, in at chapter 33. I'm going to read here, and then I'm going to skip down a few verses. But listen to what God says to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go to the land I promised on an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive you out. Uh, drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pe- uh, Perizzites, the Hizzites. Add any more ites to the list. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. Now here's where he drops the bomb, all right? But I will not go with you. I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. What do you think God is really thinking here? And then go down to verse 15. Go down to verse 15. Moses responds. Moses says to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me, with your people, unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. And then Moses said, now show me your glory. Such a good passage. Um, I remember the, uh, nobody else probably remembers this, but I remember this. The very first sermon I preached, um, our very first uh, monthly gathering at Borelli's with beer in the background and a disco ball and random ugly chairs and Tiffany's purple guitar. And, um, and, and uh, I preached a sermon on Acts 1, and the whole sermon was about that we could, we could the spirit without a mission is, is just basically becoming spiritually self-absorbed, but the mission without the spirit is going to lead to burnout. And I asked us this question, that would we um, settle for maintenance or would we sacrifice for mission? Yes, Holy Spirit. (laughs) And I'd like to put another question before you is this. Will we be dependent on ourselves or will we be desperate for his spirit? Will we be dependent on us and ourselves or will we be desperate for his spirit? Um, The context here of this passage, this conversation um, is, is, is Israel, right? They've been uh, set free from slavery under Egypt, right? They've been, let me just take you there in case you don't know the context. Um, they've, they, God sent all these plagues. They, they drove them out of, of slavery. They parted the Red Sea. They enter in. They walk through by faith, scared to death. I don't want to go through this, but they're like, we'll do it. And they just need a little bit of faith, and they have just a little bit of faith to go through. And, and they get through, and then the, the sea piles on to their enemies and destroys their enemies. They are set free. And then um, they, they begin to go into the wilderness. God says, I'm taking you to a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And then um, he guides them with like a cloud of, of, uh, by day for protection from the sun, but then a fire by night to guide them. Um, and then 
and then uh, he, they are grumbling in the wilderness, just hungry. Where are you, God? We're starving. You brought us out here to die. And he goes, oh, I'm going to send manna from heaven. I'm going to provide manna from heaven just to feed you, provide for you, because I have a place for you, a place for us, a place for all of us. I'm going to dwell among you. I'm going to build a tabernacle, and I'm going to be your God. You're going to be our people. We're going to be different. We're going to be distinct. You're no longer slaves. You're completely free. And then um, God uh, has Moses come meet with him on the, he, he does all these things. First, he has God meet with him on the mountain of Mount Sinai. Later on, Mount Sinai, he, he sends this like fire and there's billowing smoke. And he's like, my presence is here before you. And then one day, God is meeting with Moses all alone, one-on-one. And um, he's giving him the, the law, right? He's giving him the Ten Commandments. This is the way God's life works best for your people. This is an alternative society, a society that's people of freedom, not people of slavery and oppression, a place of liberation. And then while God's meeting with Moses, all of a sudden on the, down the mountain, God's people, you know the story, they like create a, a golden calf, right? They, they create this golden calf and they start worshiping it, dancing. It says that they're dancing and worshiping and going crazy about this golden calf. And, and it says in, in, in revelry, such an old school word, right? <laughs> in revelry. Uh, and it's like this sense that they're worshiping. And, and, and Moses sees all this. He, he comes down from the mountain and then God says this in, in, in verse 1. He says these words, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised you. Um, but don't miss this. God says, like, listen, I promised you the Canaan, uh, I promised you the promised land, the land of Canaan. Like, he's like, I've, I've made this promise to you, and so I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to give you that land. Um, I'm telling you to go take it. It is all yours. But don't miss what God says. He says, I am not going with you. I am not going with you. Like, you can have land or presence, but I'm not going with you. And the Israelites come face to face with this decision for the first time. We could have all the blessings, all the benefits of God, all, the, all those blessings and benefits of God, but not God. And we got to make a decision here. Do we go and take the land full of milk and honey, or do we stay here with God? And we're all like, what would we do? I know we're all really spiritual people in this room, and we think we're just the most spiritual. We would say, oh, gosh, I would, we would never do that. But would we really? Like, what would, you, what would we pick for real? We, I mean, we, we, isn't this what all, most people want? Most people want the blessing, the land, the benefit of God, and, maybe, and it's just really hard work to kind of keep this relationship with God going over here on the side. It's really hard work to get to know him and spend time with him and want to know him. That's the hard work, but it's really because we want this. And God says, like, do you want the land or do you want me? And now, the deal is, is when it comes down to it, we're more desperate for stuff and we're so filled with the blessings and the stuff that we are for God himself. And God says, you can go up for the land, but I'm not going with you. And at this point, they have this choice. And so, well, I want to ask you, are you going to be desperate for God's spirit, his presence here? Are you desperate for his spirit as we move forward, as you move forward in this life? Are you going to be dependent on yourself? Are you going to be desperate for that spirit? Um, and so, I, I, I want you to see this, that, 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 that we must have this. That this is, God's presence is everything. His presence is everything. Um, and we often, um, I'm not talking about people outside the church. I'm talking about people inside the so-called church. 
uh, we want we want we, we we want God's forgiveness. We want His His blessings. We want all those things. But when it comes down to it, we we often just don't want to keep up with the relationship. Um, and so um, I, w- I want to just a few give you a few reasons today why we must be desperate for His Spirit. And the reason, first reason is because we, as I talked about earlier, that vision of renewal, we have a vision that we can't accomplish. We have a vision that we can't accomplish. That is a vision that we can't accomplish. Now, I think it's better to live for the potential of that vision, but it's a vision that we just can't accomplish. But I do believe today that we are capable, every single one of you, every man and woman in this room is capable of becoming more attuned to the Holy Spirit in your life. That is possible. I would be a horrible pastor if I didn't believe that was possible. Imagine Martin Luther King, like, I've got a dream. They're probably not going to get it, though. They're, just, they're not going to get it. You know, Nelson Mandela, I've been dreaming of this thing in prison for years, but no. God believes in the capability of his beings, of you. The human beings, we are set apart from every other species because we're made in the image of God. I mean, you think about it, like, there are a lot of similarities between other species, right? Like, there's, animals are very intelligent. We're intelligent. Animals are pretty creative. They do some creative things. We're creative. Um, they're nurturing. We're nurturing. But the one thing that, like, sets us apart is we can materialize the invisible. We can dream of going to Mars and taking things to Mars and make it happen, for God's sake. We can take things that are in our imaginations and make them happen. And as, even take it a step further. So if that's all of the human race, now we as God's people, we, we can do what Jesus has done, which he was God in the flesh, and he made God's spirit manifest. Now, I'm not saying we are God. I'm not saying we're God in the flesh. But I am saying that God, the same spirit that empowered Jesus, it's the same spirit that empowers you yeah. to materialize what is impossible. Yeah. That we can step into this vision, but only with the spirit. Um, and so, uh, look in verse 12 and 13, if you have your Bible. Just ver- he goes, I want you to look at this and read verse 12. Moses says to God in this prayer, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Now, think about the conversation Moses is having with God. He's clearly pointing out an inconsistency. With God. He's saying, God, you're a contradiction right now because you're telling me to go with this land and lead these people, but there's a contradiction between you telling me to do that and the fact that you're not going to go with me. (laughs) Do you see this? He's like, there's a contradiction here. You're saying, go to this land, but you're not coming with me. I can't lead these people if I don't have your presence. I can't do this if I don't have you. And very clearly, Moses said, I can't accomplish anything apart from your presence. Um, Band, if you guys would come up. Uh, we're going to have just a moment just for you guys to reflect on this, this point. Um, and, you know, the church can offer a lot of things to our city. We can have great, speaking of music, we can have great music. There's a lot of good music in this city. That's not really going to transform anybody. We got great coffee. It's, it's locally sourced from a place that compost everything. They don't have any trash in their whole coffee shop. And, and, and uh, we, can, we got great gifted leaders I mean, Bam can get up here and talk, and you guys would all laugh and cry. Uh, we, we've got, we've got uh, a beautiful, most beautiful space you can imagine. None of that. 
None of the, what do we have to offer our city is the presence of God. It's the only thing we have to offer. And, and, and um, I was thinking, think, thinking about this. As, as, as I remember being back, in, um, back home in Alabama. We were preparing to plant here. And, and I remember telling people um, this, this very thing. I was like, I would, well, my pitch for planting in Chicago was this. This was my pitch. Can you imagine what could happen if the third largest city in the United States, think about all that talent and all that skill and all the resources and influence there. What would happen if those people began to get a vision for renewal? You know, and, and, I, and I thought about that. I was like, that's, that, that's the wrong question. Completely the wrong question. Because the church can have all the gifts and all the talents and all the skills, but apart from the presence of God, it can do nothing. It can do nothing. We can have all the, the money in the world and the best leaders of Chicago, and we could do nothing apart from the power of the Spirit of God. So, so think about this. So if that's true, now think about the contrary. If we are a church of people with no skills and no money, and no resources, and no talent, but we have the Spirit of God. We can do more in 30 days than we could for 100 years without the presence of God in this place. My question for you is, is God your everything? I think of St. Patrick. St. Patrick's Day is coming up. Trying to get it unemotional again. Sorry about that. St. Patrick, he had this prayer. He said, is Christ in me? Is Christ with me? Is Christ above me? Is Christ below me? Is Christ beside me? Is Christ to my left? Is Christ to my right? Is Christ when I lie? Is Christ when I sit up? Is Christ when I rise? Is Christ in every heart that thinks of me? Is Christ in every ear that hears me? Is Christ in every eye that sees me? Is Christ in every mouth that speaks of me? Christ is my everything. I want to ask you, church, is Christ still your everything? Have you grown tired and weary of trying to do the Christian life all on your own? So I want us to pray and meditate and spend time with God and answer that question, is Christ our everything? God, would you raise up men and women across this room that believe, that are desperate for you, who have not believed the lie that we can manufacture this life on our own, live this Christian life on our own, or, or even be so filled with your blessings and your benefits that we have left you. Um, God, we humble ourselves. We pray that you would consume us with your presence, and for the hurts all across this room, God, would you be um, our everything. For the pain in this room, would you be our everything? For the joys in this room, would you be our everything and help us realize that there's nothing we can do apart from you? Um, so help us to live in your, in your presence, Jesus. We pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, so second, second reason. Second reason we must be desperate for spirit uh, is this. We have 
a privilege that we cannot forsake. We have a privilege that we can't neglect. I want you to see this in verse 12 and 13. It says, Moses said to God, God, you have said to me, I know you by name, in verse 12, and you have found favor with me, but if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. This is an incredible picture of intimacy uh, that being depicted between Moses and God. I, I, Moses says, like, makes the statement, like, you know me by name. Now, that doesn't mean, like, God could look at Moses and be like, I could pick you out of a crowd, buddy, or, I, I, you know, I've seen you before. Like, know you by name, that was just like an intimate moniker, uh, intimate sign of, of, of connection, of friendship. Um, if you back up in verse 11, um, look at what the scriptures say here. This is when Moses went to meet with God and was meeting with him for this conversation. And listen to what he says in verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. He would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. What an amazing statement. I mean, that is an amazing statement. Um, that he would, it's an incredible picture of intimacy that <laughs> just baffles me. That we can actually, then later he says, show me your glory. So we can speak to God face to face and then want more. Like we, could, we can have God that intimate and then want more. Now, this can, can be confusing, because later on in verse 20, God actually looks at Moses and says, no one can actually see my face and, and live. Um, so we know that he wasn't actually literally like seeing the face of God, but it's a point of, of intimacy that we can have more of God's presence if we ask for it. We can have more of God's presence if we ask for it, that he has bold awareness of just saying, I want more of you, God. I, I, um, it, and I think a lot of times of our experiences with God, like we like to live in the glory days, right? I remember that time when I experienced God. It was amazing. We look back and like, hey, back in 2006, this time this thing happened, and it was a moment, and we live back in these glory days, and we just think that that was just then, and that will never happen again. We're now, there, now we have mortgages, and we have diapers, and we got things, more important things to take care of, a lot of things that fill us. We got kids, and and, and no longer can, we got, we got jobs and, and social security and retirement. We no longer want more of God because we're so filled with the stuff of life. We're so filled with the monotony of life. When you get face-to-face, you can expect him to show up in greater ways. Like, have you, have you been trained in that? Do you know how to do that? Do you, I love this, John 15, so, so we can't just stay here. So you can either hold a place or just trust me to read it. You can look, John 15 Jesus says this, so hold your place in Exodus 33, John 15, verse 15. Um, I cheated because I just cut and paste the scripture right here. Um, I no longer call you servants, Jesus says, because I, a servant does not know his master's business. He says, instead, I've called you what? Friends. For everything, and listen to this, well, I think we overlooked this part. For everything that I, Jesus, learned from my Father, I've made known to you. Isn't that amazing? Everything I know from the Father, I've made known to you. Now, we, do we see Jesus face to face? No. So how do we, how does this happen? How do, because Jesus calls his followers, like, how does he do that? We don't talk to him face to face. We don't see him face right in front of us. Now go to the next chapter, John 16, verse 12. This is key. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you. This is a whole discourse about prayer and the Holy Spirit. He says, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me, Jesus, by taking what is mine. You see this, the connection? The spirit will then take what is mine and give it to you, make it known to you. 
All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So do you see the connection? That Jesus is saying that the way that I'm going to make myself known to you is I'm going to take everything that Father has made known to Jesus. Jesus is going to take that and then he's going to make all of that known to you. All that known to you through the Holy Spirit. And so he's going to make that known to us. And that's through the Spirit. He's the divine communicator. The Spirit is this divine communicator that enables us to come face-to-face with Christ and actually be friends with Christ and be intimate with Christ. This is an incredible privilege. Um, and we are I, I thinking it's speak, the things that we can't do as a, as a country. I mean, we are, the way I think of our country right now, we are in such despair, such brokenness. I just listed a couple of things. The morality continues to decay. Little can be expected in our country of leaders. From pastors to priests to producers to presidents. Little morality expected, little we can expect. Uh, We are in deep, deep moral despair and hypocrisy. Um, Second, anxiety, as as long as we've been tracking anxiety, we haven't always tracked it, but as long as we've been tracking it, it's at an all-time high. Depression, as long as we've been tracking it, all-time high. Suicide, the second leading death rate for people from age 10 to 34. Second leading Cause of death, suicide for ages 10 to 34. We're divided by politics more than we ever have before. We demonize each other more than we ever have before. Every human issue is loaded as a political agenda. 26 million refugees worldwide. 26 million refugees worldwide, and we are more filled with outrage than compassion, acts of compassion. 30 million slaves worldwide, more than ever in human history. One of, out of four children live without a father at home. 70% of those in prison didn't have a father in home. And we feel like we're required to act as fast as possible, as quick as possible to everything. And Jesus didn't live that way. We talked about that Sabbath rest, right? And we are inundated with ourselves. We take pictures, the selfie, hashtag so blessed, right? And we're again, oh yeah, that's my favorite one. So the hashtag, sorry if you do the hashtag so blessed, sorry. It's not my favorite, I'm just going to tell you. All right, so, um, but we, we, what does this have? This has, all those things have everything to do with the Spirit of God. They have everything to do with the Spirit of God, that the Spirit of God, we must be intimate with Him, and the church cannot, we, we, we cannot have an awakening in the church if we don't, aren't awake ourselves. Um, Paul was, was, was obsessed with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians, he says in Ephesians 1, 23, that you have already been filled with the fullness of Christ. Then in Ephesians 3, 23, he says, I pray that you may be filled, that you may be filled with the Spirit of Christ. And then in Ephesians 5, he has the audacity to say, just continually being filled. How are we doing? We doing okay? We doing, yeah? Doing filled? You guys, uh, how are we, 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 okay, thank you. Just making sure we're all here. Uh, like this sense of being filled, it's this sense of being saturated, to be immersed, it's the sense of, of being completely um, immersed and, and transformed by God. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit leaves no room to fill, be filled with anything else. Now, I'm not saying, now I want to just like demystify some things here. Like some of, like there's a book called Brother Lawrence, Practice the Presence of God. Sometimes like people read that book, great book, but then we go read that book and we're like, I'm just going to do that. And we get really upset, like, oh my gosh. I'm doing spreadsheets. I just can't keep doing this whole presence of God thing. We got to remember, he was a monk. He got, his whole job was just to saturate in the presence of God all day, all right? So I want to demystify it a little bit, but at the same time, I want to say that this is a possibility that being transformed by God's presence is contagious. 
And that, 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 that even though, yes, you got spreadsheets, and yes, you got delivery trucks that you work on, and yes, you've got to make a sell call, and, and you've got acting lines to remember, but apart from the Spirit of God and our awareness of the Spirit of God, it is, it, 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 it is possible that, that we're just missing it. That our brain, do you realize our brain is made to make predictions of what, like I could play you, I, didn't, I was going to do this, I was going to play a clip, of this like weird sound, like, and then I was going to play it again. But in reality, it's someone saying something, but you couldn't understand it until you heard the, first, the last thing, of someone saying the actual thing that made sense. It's a TED Talk. It was really good. Um, <laughs> but here's the deal. That's the picture, that the Holy Spirit's moving all the time, going, and we're like, what? But the more you see the Holy Spirit at work, the more you know what it says that you can sense what he's doing. You can be aware of his presence. You can become intimate with God. So we have this privilege of being intimate with God that we cannot forsake. Now, now back in verse 7, this is crazy. That it says that, uh, you can read it. Look up verse 7 later. It said that Moses would go to this tent. And it's just amazing, cra- crazy picture. It says that all the people would come out of their tents and watch Moses go into the tent and stand in awe of Moses going into the tent. Isn't that a crazy picture? Like, if we were just, like, all center intense, like, oh, guy's going to go meet with God. Let's go check this out. This is better than Netflix. You know, just watch this guy go in. Now, here's the deal. We don't have to have a man represent us to go into the tent. We've got something even more incredible. Like, we can go into the tent. We can go and meet with God. We can be the ones, the men and women who meet with God. We have his access to his presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, throughout the scriptures, we are born again by the Spirit. New Testament says we are transformed to new creations by the Spirit. The love of God is poured out into our hearts by the Spirit. It's a channel of divine revelation. The Holy Spirit fills us. The Holy Spirit guarantees our salvation. The Holy Spirit seals us. The Holy Spirit guards biblical doctrine. The Holy Spirit illuminates. The Holy Spirit prays for you. It teaches us how to pray. The Holy Spirit produces fruit, spiritual character. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. It convicts us of sin that when we, holiness, a lot of, a lot of time, holiness is connected to the Holy Spirit. Seals us for the day of salvation. The Holy Spirit is a source of liberty, power, freedom. The Holy Spirit is a source of spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit gives life. The Holy Spirit does, is, is, is a place of, of no condemnation. How many of us want to be filled with the Spirit? It's good news. Now, I, I want to I go one thing. Now, I, I, this right here is critical. I want you, third thing that we've got to see of why we've got to be desperate for the Spirit is this Holy Spirit... It, 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 that we got to be desperate for it because we have a family that we cannot neglect. Now, this point right here is, I think, a huge word for Missio Day. Now, Moses, verse 32, Moses stands before God, I want you to catch this, and says, forgive them, and if you won't, he says, blot me out of your book. I just want you to think about that for a minute. You forgive God's people, and if you won't, take me out. That's crazy. All right, now, you, know, you got that picture. Um, this crazy thing happens where, in verse 7, this other prayer happens where you read it, and you're like, did, God, did Moses pay attention to what God was saying? Um, and and it's, it's this crazy, crazy verse, and um, it says it right here. Let, let, let me, gosh, I lost my spot. One second, I'm find this verse real quick, because it's good. It's coming to me. Ah, you know what? I'm just going to paraphrase it. So what happens is, 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 uh, 
I didn't, I didn't write it down right because it was Friday, and um, and Sabbath was coming, and so, uh, and so, uh, and so what happens is, is Moses looks at God. God says, "Hey, um, God says I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to go with you to the promised land." And then Moses has this moment, and he goes, "Are you going to go with us?" And you, it's like that moment, like. Like, I don't know about, like, husbands, we don't really do a great job listening to our wives. I don't know if you've ever had a moment, not me, but other, I have a friend, I have a friend who uh, has a, he's, he's been times where his wife's been talking, and then she says something, and he, like, this awkward silence, he realizes he's, I, I realize I'm supposed to say something, and I say something, and she's like, were you listening at all? It feels like that when you read it. It's like, I'm going to go with you, and then Moses is like, are you going to go with us? So wh- let me tell you what happens. What happens is, is, is he says the first time, I'm going to go with you, individual, singular Moses. And then Moses says, no, 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 no. Are you going to go with us? Because the power of God can't be made manifested to the nations if it's just me. Like, you have to go with us. And my fear is, is that in our individualistic culture, we treat the Holy Spirit, movement of the Holy Spirit, so individualistically. We say, well, I've been blessed by the Spirit, or I've had the power of the Spirit move on me, and so I'm going forth. And those people, they don't have the blessing, but you know what? I've got the blessing. I've got the blessing on me, so I'm going forth. But the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit says we have a family that we cannot neglect. We have a whole family that we cannot neglect and not and what, what would happen, I mean, this is what the Spirit does, is that we're moving a whole people. This isn't just for an individual in which we say, well, I, I've got the Spirit and this person doesn't, or I get it and this person doesn't. What would happen? What would happen if we got this, if we threw off all slander, all gossip, all criticism, and we stopped judging each other on what we think the Holy Spirit is doing? We stop judging each other on what we think the Holy Spirit is doing and we have no agenda and we say your spirit can move however you want. You can move in a new way, you can move in an old way. And we have a family that we cannot neglect. Lastly, Moses stands before God and says this. I love this. The last thing is this. We have a God that we just cannot even fathom or imagine. That He, he prays to God and he says, now show me your glory. I just love that. Show me your glory. Show me your glory, God. Um, this, is the, this is Moses. Um, and my first thought is this. is like, if anybody's seen the glory of God, it's Moses. Like, he's already seen the glory of God. If anybody's seen it, it's Moses. Now, why would he say, now show me your glory? The answer and the beauty of it is, is once you taste God's glory, you want more. Once you taste his presence, you want more. Once you experience his presence and, and his, his, his pleasure, you develop an insatiable appetite for more of his presence. And you weep for more, and you mourn for more, and you wrestle for more. And the testimony of the scriptures is people all throughout the Bible that were just not content with, with like Paul. He's like, I want more of Christ. I'm like, Paul, you wrote the New Testament. I think you got him. But no, he's like, I want more. I want more of Jesus. I want more of him. And so um, they were never content to accept Christ and just move on. Um, the pursuit had just begun for these people. And so I just want to ask us, have we, Missio Dei, grown content? Have we grown content with our understanding of God? And I want you to ask yourself, really, honestly, 
Have you grown content with going through this life just a little incremental motions of Christianity, dabbling here or there? Or do you, do you come to God and say, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And I want us to close that. I want us to pray that. I want us to long for, to gaze upon God's beauty today. Collectively, could we just gaze upon his beauty, Monsieur Day? Um, I'm reminded of um, the story of D.L. Moody. Uh, D.L. Moody is, you know, I share that because we're in Chicago and he's, there's like a history there. And there's these two old women that would be praying constantly for D.L. Moody to get more of God's spirit. D.L. Moody said, I just, they annoyed the mess out of me. And then um, the, the fire happened and burned down Moody's church building. So Moody was in New York. And he was just walking the streets back and forth, to and fro, to and fro, um, asking for, trying to raise money for this new building. He said that he had an experience like never before. And, that, and, and he says this. He says that the, this is what his words were. He says that, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name I can only say that God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask that he stay his hand. I don't know what that kind of experience feels like, um, but I want to know that God's presence was so thick that I had to ask him to stay his hand. May we, Monsieur Day, have that kind of knowledge of God, that kind of experience of God that we'd have to say, that's enough, (laughs) Save that for Monday. I'm going to need it then, right? That would be amazing. So, God, we, if we've got to get on our faces before God as God's people. We've got to, we've got to get on our faces before God to want his presence. We've got, to, we've got to be that kind of people. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Man, you guys can come up. God, would you make us a church? God, make us a church that desires more of you. God, would you wake us up from our sleep? God, we need your awakening. We need your revival. We need your spirit, God. And I... I don't know how to say this, but just... We are 500 years in post the Enlightenment and products of the Enlightenment in which we think that we have to, that our thought life and our brain is the most governing thing in our life. And our brain can see things all kinds of different ways. (laughs) It just baffles me that we, we have blocked off like access to the Spirit because we're so afraid And if we would just went back in time, we would say that this is normal. This is normal to experience God. I pray that like hundreds of years from now, there will be a movement of God in Chicago because there's like a small little bitty group that said like we're going to press in to God's presence. So God, would you give us a desire for more, a thirst for more, a yearning for more? We want to know you.